Section 20 of Mysteries of London, Volume 4. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Stephen Seidel. Mysteries of London, Volume 4 by George W. M. Reynolds. The Advertising Agent. On the day after the one, the incidents of which have just been related, Mr. Bubbleton Stiles called, precisely as the clock struck eleven in the forenoon, upon an advertising agent dwelling in the immediate vicinity of Cornhill. The agent, knowing that Mr. Stiles was a registered promoter of a scheme which had obtained the patronage of the high and mighty Mr. Podson, was particularly civil and urbane and having bowed him into the private office and presented him with a chair, he said, Now, Mr. Stiles, sir, what can I do for you? I intend to give the newspapers a round of advertisements, answered the city gentleman, pulling out his prospectuses. Softly, softly, my dear sir, exclaimed the agent. You must be guided by me in this. If you went to the generality of agents, they would say, Oh, advertise by all means in every paper in existence. But I, Mr. Stiles, am a little more conscientious. There are some journals, in fact, which are perfectly useless as advertising media. It would be money completely thrown away. I am much obliged to you for your kindness, said Mr. Stiles. Of course we shall advertise in the Times. As a matter of course, cried the agent. "'Tis the great daily leviathan which everybody sees, no matter what his politics may be. The Morning Chronicle, too, is a good medium. And the Herald, Post, and Advertiser must likewise be included. And it would be folly to omit the Sun, Globe, and Standard. "'Well, what about the Daily News and the Express?' asked Mr. Stiles, apparently astonished that no reference should have been made to those print.' The Daily News, ejaculated the agent, in perfect wonderment. The Express, he cried in horrified amazement. Excuse me, my dear friend, but are you mad? Have you taken leave of your senses? I hope not, responded Mr. Stiles, in his usual calm, business-like manner. What makes you think so? What makes me think so, repeated the agent. Why, the idea that you should for an instant entertain the notion of advertising in those contemptible abortions. They are a perfect disgrace to the newspaper literature, sir, proceeded the agent, who was speaking conscientiously and indeed truly. Did you ever happen to read the daily news? I have never seen the paper in my life, answered Mr. Stiles. I had only heard of it. And you are not likely to see it, returned the agent, unless you go into the heart of Wapping or explore the back slums of Whitechapel. No respectable newsman keeps it, not that newsmen are more particular than other shopkeepers, but they only keep what they can sell, Mr. Stiles. As for the Express, it is a regular cheat of an evening paper, made up entirely of the articles in the daily news, without even having the bad grammar and the typographical errors corrected. But both prints are the most contemptible three-penny things I ever saw in my life, and one would be inclined to fancy that all the real newspaper talent had been absorbed by the pre-existing journals, leaving only the meanest literary scrubs in London to do the news and the express. 
and yet I thought that the news had been started under the auspices of Mr. Charles Dickens, the immortal Boz, said Mr. Stiles interrogatively. So it was, replied the advertising agent, but the name of Charles Dickens was rather damnatory than useful to a newspaper speculation. Everyone must admit that Boz is a great novelist, a very great novelist indeed, the fielding of his age, but he is totally incapable of writing for a newspaper. The proprietors of the news made a tremendous splash with his name, but they only created a quagmire for themselves to flounder in. When their paper was first coming out, everybody thought it was to do wonders. The Times was to lose half its subscribers, and the Chronicle was to be ruined altogether. But alas, never did so laboring a mountain produce such a contemptible mouse, and people began to fancy that the wags engaged on punch had started the daily news as a grand parody on the newspaper press. The leaders were rubbish. The criticism of new works, mere nonsense. The dramatic reviews, utter balderdash. It, however, seems that in the lowest depths there is a deeper still even with the bathos of journalists. For when the news tumbled down, which it soon did, to a two-penny half-penny print, the rubbish, the nonsense, and the balderdash became more astounding still. There is a young man named Bilk who does the moral department of the paper, and he is the most groveling ass that ever was created. He undertakes to review a whole batch of cheap publications in a lump, but what he calls reviewing is nothing else than abusing the works with an insolence so cool and a rashness so indiscriminate that he must be as consummate a coxcomb as he is an unprincipled ruffian. The news affects a moral tone and entrusts its conscience to this half-buffoon, half-barbarian, in the hope that the lucubrations of the ungrammatical scribe may acquire for it the reputation of a serious, sober, and sedate journal. The despicable being to whom I allude is the son of the proprietor of the Asineum, a paper which Bulwar mauled and exposed so terribly in one of his admirable novels many years ago. The articles in the Asineum may be termed twaddled upon stilts. You are really very inveterate in your denunciations of these prints, observed Mr. Stiles, who, having an hour to spare, did not experience any impatience in listening to the agent's remarks. Not at all inveterate, only justly indignant, was the answer. I am indignant because I admire the newspaper press of Great Britain. I am proud of it. I glory in belonging to the country which possesses it. And therefore, when I see journalism prostituted to the lowest and meanest purposes, when I behold such despicable abortions as the Daily News and the Express daring to show themselves in that sphere where respectability and talent alone existed until those threepenny things made their appearance, I am angry. I am disgusted. Only see how the news has been tinkered and hacked about with the idea of making it a property. First it was five pence, then it was two pence half penny, next it was three pence, and yet with all this derogatory experimentalizing the owners have failed to make it a property. What a miserable thing does it look with its beggarly three columns of advertisements. The Times has as many in a day as the news has had altogether since its sickly existence began. 
The very parliamentary reporters engaged upon the news are ashamed of their connection with such a scurvy affair, and the doorkeeper of the gallery of the House of Commons looks on them with a kind of commiseration, knowing how degrading it must be to their feelings to take their places in the seats allotted to the representatives of that three-penny hodgepodge. You never see the news quoted from, nor alluded to by its contemporaries. It is not recognized as a member of the newspaper press. It has tried all imaginable kinds of maneuvers to force itself into notoriety, sometimes currying favor with the superior journals and at others abusing them, but all to no purpose. Its contemporaries will not notice it. They will not be bullied nor coaxed into such condescension. Why, would you believe that the very editor is heartily ashamed of his post? But he knows that if he resigned it, he should be compelled to relapse into the lowest walks of penny aligning whence he was dragged forth to conduct the thing. How is it possible that such a contemptible journal continues in existence? asked Mr. Stiles. There, now you puzzle me indeed, exclaimed the advertising agent. The question you have put to me involves one of the greatest mysteries of London, and I am quite incapable of affording you the solution. Time will, however, show, for in this case time must clear up all doubts and uncertainty regarding the matter. For the present, however, take my advice and refrain from advertising in a paper which is contemptible in circulation and influence, scurrilous or hypocritical according to circumstances in its literary articles, and wishy-washy in the extreme of its leaders. Well, I am excessively obliged to you for this most useful warning, observed Mr. Bubbleton Stiles. You have nothing to say against the weekly dispatch, the Sunday Times, Bell's Life in London. All good papers, exclaimed the advertising agent. But here is a list of those metropolitan and provincial journals in which I should recommend you to advertise. I place myself entirely in your hands, answered the promoter of the grandest railway scheme ever devised, and, thrusting his hands into his breeches pockets, he rattled a little silver and a great many halfpence, saying, Shall I give you a hundred or so in advance, or will you send in the account? Pray do not think of offering any sum in advance, Mr. Stiles. My dear Mr. Stiles, cried the agent, it is but a trifle. Three hundred guineas will cover the outlay for this first batch of advertisements, and I will send my little account to the secretary when the board meets. Very good, rejoined the promoter. And, having come to this excellent understanding, the two gentlemen parted, Mr. Stiles betaking himself to Garraway's Coffee House, where he ate his lunch standing at the bar, and afterwards returning to his office at Crosby Hall Chambers. End of section 20.